Tamina. And welcome to Head Boss in Charge. Welcome. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. Well, you were so happy. Like, I, could, I wasn't looking at you, but I said, Welcome to Head Boss in Charge. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. But... I don't know either, but it was great. How are you, Boston? <laughs> I'm good. I'm, ha- I'm good. It is uh, after work hours. I am having some wonderful. Fairly expensive wine. Oh, okay. In the form of a port. Someone got paid. So, no, it's old wine. I got. I buy so much when I go, so I don't have to um, be without. Because um, no one wants to be without. But I'm good. Work has been crazy. We're rolling up on our busy end of the semester time, trying to get these motherfuckers out of here. If I can be just really clear and blunt about it. Um, but I'm good. It's it's like holiday season, so everybody has a potluck or a cookie as though we don't do, like, I need to eat all year round, but we don't need to shove all the potlucks and food and cookies and cupcakes into, like, two weeks. I'm going to eat it then, <laughs> um, but it's okay to spread it out, so I'm going to try to do mm. um, some random ones next year to spread out the fat, if you will. Let's just call the shit what it is. Right, right. Um, But, so, I'm mostly good. So, how you bossing? Well, it's been a week, um, <laughs> and it's not really over because I have one of those, those jobs where, because of what I do, I have to take work home, and it has to get done somehow, so it's not really done, and my vacation technically starts next week, but I guess not since I have to do some work at home, but it's just, if you have a job that you have a lot of deadlines typically around this time of year for whatever you do, you know exactly how I feel. It's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and sometimes you just got to let the balls drop, and, <laughs> well, hopefully they drop. Hey! But... I don't even know what that means, but okay. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> I'm just going to nod my head. Okay! Um, yeah, sometimes you just have to move forward, commu- make those communications to the people who you're working with, and say, hey, this is just not going to get done. Um, I have other priorities, but, um, have, yeah, speaking of, like, food and parties. I've had a lot of holiday related mm-hmm. social gatherings in the past couple weeks. And it's always funny cuz like it's always lots of sugar, lots of alcohol, just lots of food squished into this like 2 week time period. Mm-hmm. And also too, I'm an introvert and sometimes I really hate socializing at mm-hmm. these parties because I actually only went to the party cuz I know one or two people or maybe it's like an office party and I don't know everyone. Mm-hmm. It's just like so much work in this time of year to put on that face and be like, oh, ha, ha, where, where are you traveling? Or what are you doing? Or happy holiday. Like, I get tired of all that bullshit. Well, I had, um, it's funny that you said that I, um, my uh, place of employment, uh, the president had an op- uh, like a party for the campus. And I was like, oh, I have to go and show face. Sure, I'll go. I was going to go anyway to show face and to take my little, you know, canned good because they're like to get into the party you need a canned good but nobody's checking for that um so I was making sure that some of the professionals younger professionals that I work with I was like you show up to the party like you don't have to be there long but you show up you hey kiki (laughs) with a few people Mm -hmm. and then you go and I said I am going to be here for a maximum of 30 minutes I said I will walk in do essentially a lap around all of the food tables And then then I will be gone. So if you look around and you don't see me, chances are I am gone. But it's good that you went. And if you want to meet somebody and I perhaps know them, I would make you a quick connection and introduce you real quick. 
But I get in there and I do a lap and I talk to the people I know. And then it makes me seem really introverted. I don't know why. And I was like, it, these are all people that I've known for years. But okay, do the lap. And then I was like, all right, I'm leaving, y'all. Deuces. Yeah, I've done my due diligence. showing up. You show up to the potluck. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, as an introvert, I was like, that's all I can do. Like, and I'm a general, a shit talker in general. So I go and talk shit. Ah, oh, you decided to come this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. I'm going to see you in the new year. No, I'm not. But it's nice to say. Right, right. But then I was like, at the end, like, ooh, I'm tired. Like, this was enough. Right. I don't take my coat off because then it looks like I'm getting comfortable. Mm-hmm. So, Well, this is why it's very important to have an open bar or booze. Ooh. Like, I don't. Oh, I, mean, I work for the state. That that won't happen. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But um, and but at least good food because the mm-hmm. party I went to this week, the theme was Mexican. Their tortillas weren't heated, so they tasted stale. Um, the guacamole was not guacamole. I'm like, what? Did you use like, like a faux avocado? A faux avocado or like <laughs> gluten free? Like uh, like I don't know if those exist, but it was just mm. it was just and it was not. I like my guacamole like chunky and you know some was this like smooth yeah it must have it 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 almost was the same texture as like that green salsa like it was that like that's not that's not right that's not so i I was like "Mm, okay i'll go straight to the bar and that was fine but the other holiday party i went to um had uh this really authentic um puerto rican food okay um and there was some like filipino spice in it because the person who was hosting it um, is Filipino, uh, or has a Filipino background. And so that food was great. It was catered by just like this mom and pop place in Oakland. Uh, so that was bomb food. And everyone, and I love when I go to a party where everyone equally loves eating. Cause you know, you go to so many parties and everyone tries to look cute by taking like one or two things. I'm like, girl, I'm here to eat. This, this is during is my dinner. dinner time. This is a dinner. So I'm going to take five up. plates mm-hmm. and you can keep talking, but I'm just going to be yeah. Don't give food. me this little plate because you're going to waste it. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to fill it up. But okay, exactly. if that's what you want. Um, so yeah, overall, for me, I'm doing pretty well. It's winding down to the end of the year, so I'm looking for a bit of a break. And we're back. Welcome back. So... If you're an avid listener, and if not, you should be. Right. Uh, we always talk about family and how a lot of the things that we do or how we move through life reflect a lot in uh, those that we grew up with. Um, we take a lot of advice from them. The things that we probably want to reject, we probably still have yes. within our own um, expression of ourselves. And it's the holidays, and family's usually a, a very hot subject around the holidays so we just want to have an open dialogue about um who we are today and how how much our family has manifest manifested in ourselves as okay. adults i'm here for it you assume oh, you want me to start? yes okay i'm gonna take another sip from my drink mm-hmm. i'll do that too all right so let me start out by saying this, and I have to acknowledge that, uh, yeah, this is going to be a very deep, I think, topic for the both of us, um, but I think I'm at this point where a lot of the things that I <laughs> did not like um, like about my parents are starting to manifest 
itself in very small ways, just just like from habits, right? Um, so for example, um, my obsession or my ideation of what I consider clean or uh, okay. things that I, like sanitation, okay. <laughs> I, I have to elaborate. <laughs> like it's... It, Why do you sound like like a cleaning company? I don't know. <laughs> my sanitation. I don't know. My my mom has this thing about cleanliness. She's a nurse, and so uh, these things that I felt like, oh, like why are you so obsessed with these little things? So, um, it, it, it's everything from you have to take your shoes off when you get when you walk through the door. Like that's just a thing um, that happens in a lot of my family's households. But you just can't walk in the house with. You know, your dirty, nasty, dirty, shoes nasty shoes from the outside world. Um, when I like clean dishes or wash the bathroom, it's like I I clean it like two times. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like I'm so thorough, and I never thought twice about how that just naturally became a habit of mine. But it makes sense. Like I grew up with uh, a nurse, and you know they have to do certain things when they walk into the the hospital or whatever the facility is mm-hmm. um, before they interact with patients. So that's always been like an interesting habit. Um, I think ooh, this is a weird one. I when I talk on the phone with friends and they're talking and maybe they're having a very they're having a very long discussion or explaining something, and I have this habit of. Just saying, yeah, mm-hmm, and all these acknowledgments throughout the conversation so that, because I feel like if I don't say anything, they'll think that I'm not listening. They're like, hello, are you still there? Right. And uh, I was doing that with a friend of mine recently. Um, hey, James. And he pointed out that I make a lot of noise while he talks. I'm He's like, like, you should be quiet and listening to I'm me. like, oh, I didn't even realize they do that. But then when my mom does it to me, it's kind of annoying. I'm like, mom, stop, like, saying, uh-huh, mm-hmm, after every single word that I say. Just listen, and I know that you're on the other end. So, and the list can go on, and I can think of more, but I think it would be fun just to talk about habits that you uh, take on after that you never thought you would take on. Um, and I don't think that I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if I ever thought I will never take these on. I was like, Oh Lord, when is, when is this going to happen to me? Oh, so you saw Um, coming. Oh yeah. Um, but I am very much my mother's child. And so lots of people are like, Oh my gosh, you're so funny. And I'm like, you haven't met my mom. And not that we're like stand up comedians, clearly. Um, that's not how either of us either made our living or how I make my living. Um, but uh, and my mom is older. She's about to hit 70. So, mm. um, whoop, shout outs to mom. Um, number one, I am very much like a mama's girl. So, like, I won't say my mom can do no wrong because you can certainly do some wrong. But I, I think about, um, she speaks with no filter as somebody who is, you know, has lived a long life and is doing well physically and health-wise and whatnot. She speaks her mind. And sometimes it's a challenge to, like, rein that back in when we're out in public. Because I'm like, Mom, like, you can't, you're not supposed to say that to people. Not that you can't say that, but, like, that's mean. Like, don't say <laughs> People won't respond well to that. That's not nice. And she'd be like, well, somebody got to tell them and they need to know. And I'm like, okay, well, like, sometimes it's not, not everybody needs to know everything. But I find my, my internal, like, dialogue monologue whatever is that that like things that she would say but I just use a filter and not saying them um 
So in that sense, people think, oh my gosh, you're so funny. And I'm like, I'm telling the truth. This is not a joke. Like, this is real life. I don't know what's funny. Um, but I'm like, uh -huh, okay, <laughs> girl, you know, I'm crazy. But I'm like, no, really. Like, what I'm saying is legit and real and you should listen. It may come off as funny, but I'm, I'm being so real right now. Um, so that's something that I get from my mom, for sure. But she's also, you know, older in years. And so she just, like lots of old people, she just talks shit. Like... And doesn't even give a second thought about it. He'll talk shit right to people's face. And almost like, I dare you to say something. And I'm like, oh my God, I just... And I looked at them and I just shake my head like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, just go with it. She's old. Let her, mm. let her be. But I, I find myself doing that more and more now. Not as explicitly as she does. But... And I can make mine more into a joke, like, just mm -hmm. using my words differently. But Yeah. Do you think when you're her age? Oh, hell yeah. I don't gonna, even need to finish gonna, that. You're going to be like a duplicate copy. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, mom. you don't even... I'm not even probably going to wait till 70. <laughs> um, but yeah, I will be that person. Um, so, you know, my mom uh, is an immigrant. Um, you know, she moved here when she was a teenager to the States. And I think that sets my upbringing up very... In a very unique way compared to other black families who just like grew up in the States and another habit, but it's more of a value that became really important for me. I mean, um, when it comes to about learning things and what, and being ambitious, we're very much the same way. Like my mom loved, loved, loved school when she, school when she was younger. And I was the same way. I loved books. I loved learning, you know, got A's all throughout school. And I got to the point where my mom is now living vicariously through me. But because of her love for school and being ambitious and living vicariously through me, of course, she set the bar very, very unrealistically <laughs> high. So uh, there was a point where school was just so easy and I was getting A's all the time. And right when I got to high school, um, that's when I started getting like A's and B's. <laughs> oh, a B, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, if you come from that really strict... Uh, educational upbringing, those things really matter. And I just remember always getting, you know, scorned. Um, and, you know, I and I understand where my mom is coming from in hindsight, but uh, I think a lot of the times if you have a parent who's living vicariously through you, when they're yelling at you or to be better or disappointed in you, I always wonder, is that really a disappointment in herself? Hmm. Kind of like this weird... Uh, I can see that, yeah. Uh, inception type mentality is she's living vicariously through me because I'm starting to get opportunities she didn't have. When I fail, she fails in a way. But, um, and then she's t she takes out her disappointment on her child, of course. I don't know, what do you think about that? Hmm. I think that makes absolute sense. That I think not being a parent, but a pup rent... Um, I think our parents want us to do better than they did and have more opportunities and take more opportunities than they were either able to given the time, the way that things were going in the country or the fact that whatever age they had us, you know, had their children and whatnot. But I think they want us to do well and to take advantage of all the things that are out there, especially since so many more things are out there than when they were youth. Mm -hmm. um, so that makes sense. Um, especially, um, I don't want to say especially because my mom is not an immigrant to the country. So, but I w I'm wondering if she is like, you have to do extra well, you know, you have to do exceedingly well because perhaps she took a risk to get here. 
so that you could have the best life, not just a better one, but the best life that you could, you know, have and that she could provide for you. Mm. I'm making some assumptions, but from what I hear, like when I talk to like colleagues or students that I work with, parents are hard because they're like, don't squander this because perhaps I didn't have the opportunity to do this. And now you, you have it. Don't waste it. Mm. So. Yeah. You know how in a previous episode we talked about the whole like growing up black, you, um, we got that message about working twice as hard, Mm -hmm. um, to be even at the same level as any white person. And one thing that I hear a lot, uh, from immigrant families is I think I, I learned that message and I, I was fortunate to learn that message because my mom moved here as a teenager. So she was, she was able to experience American life for quite some time before I was born versus some parents who, uh, they were a little older and they moved here with all their kids and they're experiencing America for the first time with their kids. Okay. Where I'm getting at is, it's actually a common thing I, I hear, like a lot of immigrant black people, they are super surprised at the racism that is here in this country. Like, I think a lot of like, uh, parents who just grew up in America, it's just so ingrained in them and they just understand how the country works and then they have kids and then they prepare their kids for the real world. But I, I, uh, you're an immigrant, you know, you're an immigrant, you come to America and the first thing you're, you're concerned about is like, yeah, the land of opportunity and I can find work and I can do this, I can do that. That is the, uh, impression that we give to, um, um, outside folks and they come here and then they get very shocked that they can't get jobs, that they can't do this, they can't do that. And it takes them a little while mm-hmm. to understand racism. Yeah, Not like, racism, but in the context of America. Racist, but yes. Right, the country's <laughs> racist. Racism exists everywhere, but it looks different everywhere. Yeah. So I, I learned the same message as my other same black friends, knowing that like my mom had the fortune of... Uh, experiencing life in America first before I was raised. But I remember my mom telling me and other friends who have immigrant parents that they it, they, it took them a while to understand that the opportunity that they thought they were going to have um, wasn't coming through because of institutional racism. Mm, okay. And I don't, like, that. that's not my experience. I'm not going to, like, pretend to try to, like, let me, like, drop some science on that because that wasn't my experience. I'm mean, like... The country is racist. Mm, it's, there's institutional racism. Mm, like, true, true. So, um, but yeah, it's probably like a really interesting perspective. And like, it may sound shitty, but I'm, there's, a, there's, a, there's a gratitude that I have for not having to have it, had experienced that. So, mm-hmm. um, that sounds kind of shitty though. Yeah. Um, but as you were, you were saying that, um, my mind slightly, like, I don't want to say skipped a beat. Because, um, <laughs> Um, it skipped a beat, but I was thinking about like, what are the things that my mom like taught me that I'm grateful for that I didn't even realize until probably my adulthood. And they're two really Mm. random things. One is that my mom can pull together like a meal with nothing. Um, like she doesn't use recipes, but she just knows that how shit is supposed to taste and that it's supposed to taste right and good. And so... I have found myself in my adulthood, probably starting somewhere in my 20s when I was like in grad school trying to scrape food together with, you know, a check of like $500 for the month and you're supposed to feed yourself with that. But um, I remember just starting to be like, I think these things will taste good together. So like I, in my, further in my adulthood, I'm, I'm good at being like, what's in the cabinet? What's in the freezer? 
hmm, I think these things with these spices will taste good together. And just being able to pull those things together um, from things that generally don't match. Like you wouldn't like be like, oh, this is an entire meal. But you're like, this is good. This is here. Let's do this and maybe this random thing right here. Um, and that's certainly something that I I learned from her, having watched her. I, I'm sure I watched her do it. And then, so now I do that. Like, I'll be like, mm, I don't want to go to the store. Like, the privilege of, like, I don't want to go to the store because it's cold. Cold is relative. We're in California. It's not really cold. Um, but I think about, like, I can pull these things together and they taste good. And then they get in, like, the regular rotation of, like, and I have to, they taste a little bit differently every time, but they taste good. And I know that I learned that from my mom. Like, where else would you learn something, like, like to put foods together without any sort of recipe? I don't need a book. I can just imagine how things taste and how they would jive together, and thankfully they work. Random, I know. Um, I think the other thing that I, like, two very simple, like, practical schools. So that was the first, or skills. The second one was, I swear that my mom is a mathematician. And this is how I know. <laughs> okay. Um, she and my uh, dad, when he was alive, they would go to the casinos all the time. And she would figure out what, this is when like the money and coins still came out of the machine and it wasn't like, you get a receipt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like there was a bucket and you had to pick oh, up right. all the quarters that, or the, yeah. the nickels and your hands were all like grimy because money's, you know, dirty. Um, she would figure out what the total was in dollars before like the end thing would come out with all the money. Or she would be like, if I play this and I get this, you know, this Joker, this, you know, such and such face and these two bars that I'm going to have $73. And I'd be like, and then she would you know, eventually get them and it'd be $73. And I'm like, <laughs> the fuck is that? Like, how did you do that? It's, and the number comes out, numbers come out in a matter of seconds. And I'm like, how do you know that? And she'd be like, well, if you do this and you do this and you carry the one, like, this is the answer. And I'm like... Wait a minute, you, you didn't, you went to a vocational school for your education and became um, a CNA, a Certified Nurse's Assistant, and then you were a Department Secretary for a nurse, so it's not, she was never working in numbers, um, but somehow she just had that, and like put those things together, and then like I think about like how she ran our household, like on the money that she made, and you know, as a kid at, at some points we were like, on food stamps and you had so you had the cheese the big block of government cheese and you had like powdered milk like it was in a box wow. and things like that but then i'm like how did she make all of that work how did she sustain all of us so that all the bills were paid except for the, like those two times the lights got turned off all the, and we didn't have cable either so all the bills were paid we ate like i was never hungry i got to participate in sports and so she just hustled and figured out how to make all of those things work. And so I think about myself now, and of course I have the fortune to have an education and she helped to support me through that. Um, not necessarily financially because I got a lot of uh, grants and scholarships and stuff. So those things were paid for. But I think about now how I hustle with my money and how I make those things work. And granted, like I am blessed and highly favored in terms of like the salary that I make, the city that I live in, the, the stuff that I have access to. Um, and the, like the lifestyle that I'm able to live, but I think about like how my money works. Like that's a constant thing that I think about. Like, how is my money working for me? Like, 
how do I figure out a side hustle? Like, is this interest rate good? Is this, like, if I do this, then I'll pay down this. Like, but my mind works in the way that she hustled to get us all through. And so I really appreciate that very practical skill of me thinking through my mind of how do I make my money work and stretch? And if I buy this, it's going to stretch here and do this and right here, or I'll wait for the sale. Cause I know it always happens on a Saturday, you know? Mm. So like a really practical skill that I don't think that she taught that I was paying attention to, but it's so valuable to be able to like hustle, um, like in my money, in my life. And by no means am I like on the verge of having lights shut off and whatnot, thank goodness. But I think about those things. You know, I can't speak for other uh, minority groups that I know, and I would love to do an episode about this in the future, about I think financial planning in the black community is such a, uh, like, I, I think a lot of us have learned financial planning through a hustle mentality. Mm -hmm. You have the bare minimum and you're living paycheck to paycheck. How do you move those pieces, do the math, save, do all that stuff? I'd say my mom was very good at that too. Yeah. Um, I have a hustle journal somewhere here. I'm not (laughs) even kidding. It says hustle journal. Mm. So Yeah. We'll put that on the post-it. But I think that, and then being, uh, well, I'm first generation, but being, I guess, um, Wait, are you first generation? First generation. And going to school, college. Um, no, my sister and brother both took stabs at um, community college. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but, I mean, I think our, our I, we're both the first in our families to get a degree above a yeah. bachelor's. Above uh, an associate's. Or any degree beyond the high school, really. Yeah, like. yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, let's talk about that soon. But... Um, I, I guess if I were to answer your original question about uh, things that my mom does potentially that... Um, it's kind of like the, the things yeah. that you've picked up and you're like, I didn't even realize that I, this was... I learned this. You didn't just come out of the womb and like, I know how to do X, Y, and Z. Right, right. <sighs> Wait, I had it. <laughs> um, hmm... I can think of another one while you think if you... If I, can, oh, I had it in my head and now I forgot. Yeah. I will get mine. Good. So yeah. the other thing that my mom is that I have turned into is um, I love kids. I do not have kids of my own. Number one, I'm not birthing them myself. Um, and my partner and I are like still working through like what that looks like and how do you make that happen and whatnot um, as two women. It's not that easy. But... My mom, I remember from when I was younger, like, and and this is mostly, like, through church or whatever, like, my mom was a kid magnet. Like, people wanted to come and, like, hang out or, like, they would come and, like, hug on my mom and blah, blah, blah. Not that she was doing anything special because I'm sure she was, like, talking shit to kids, too. Uh Um, (laughs) Like, at church. But okay. Um, Or in the neighborhood or whatever. And she was kind of, like... Like, we couldn't really have people over to the house, but sometimes we could go over to our friend's house. Oh, my gosh, that's that's a whole other one that I'm going to talk about in a second. But I remember, like, I am a kid magnet. Like, if I see, like, first of all, I'm like, ooh, a kid. Like, ah, let me smother you. Um, I have a bunch of nieces and nephews. Oh, my gosh, your Snapchats of your nephew. Oh, my God, I can't. So Um, adorable. And thankfully, they're all gorgeous young people. Um... But, like, I am a kid magnet. I'm the person that's in, like, we're walking through Safeway, grocery store, right? I see a kid in the aisle. A kid may momentarily make eye contact, and I'm like, 
we're, we're connected, you and me. Um, and the kid will be like hiding and smiling or whatever. But like, I am like so comfortable around kids and kids are like super comfortable around my mom. Like, even if it's like a kid and my mom, like the kid is like happy and content. They're like, oh, this is like the best thing ever. Or like my two-year-old nephew like is attached to, or my two-year-old great nephew attached to my mom, who is his great grandmother. But he's attached to her. Like when he sees her, he's like, ah, and he doesn't really say words, so it's just noises at this point. But um, that's one thing that I pick up from my mom is just having that, like, nurturing part. That, And I don't think I come off really nurturing. Like, if you were to meet me, like, on the street, I'm not really nurturing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ew. Uh, but uh, with kids, it's, like, a completely different story. Like, it's just, like, smother me. And they're, like, like climb, I'm a human jungle gym. Like Aww. I will roll on the floor with you. Like I'll toss you in the air. I may push you over to make you smile, but and then you want to return them. Yeah, the like and then the give them back. Um, <laughs> sugar them up. Uh, hopefully tire them mm. out and then give them back. But I'm that aunt. I'll be like, sure, I'll come and pick. Like I give me which one. How You're many right. are you gonna give me for how long? Because I will entertain them and it'll be great. So. Um. Uh, okay, I think I have mine. They're they're more short, um, but uh, as I said, I'm an introvert, and it, it's kind of a false perception of an intro- being an introvert because I'm out socializing. I have like really good friends, but if I know you really well, I'm very social, right? It's just mm-hmm. like when you throw me into the the pool with just a bunch of you know strangers and. It's I'm gonna be more of an introvert. So my mom's very quiet. Like you know, she doesn't. She only has that those close group of friends, and you know, she's not gonna go out to parties or big settings where she's forced to talk with people mm. who she doesn't know. So we're the same in that regards. But I think a big thing is that we're very private people. Like mm-hmm. I'm very careful with what I disclose and who I disclose it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there's gonna be a lot of people at work who's like, "Who's Paul? What does he do?" I'm right. Like, I'm here to do a job. Like, you're not here to get to know me. Yeah, I'm not going to be doing this with no check. Right. And that's very much my mom. And part of that, I know on my mom's side, and we've talked about it, is like the trust. Like, mm-hmm. you know, being bright and bushy-tailed in the United States, you're open to everything. And when you've been burned so many times, especially when you first learn about institutional racism in America, mm. then you mm-hmm. walk through this world and it's like, Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I got I gotta watch my back because these white people, I don't know about them. Mm-hmm. Even, <laughs> You're even, funny. <laughs> even these Latinos, I don't know. These Asians. I don't like my mom was some of these black folks. I don't know. Yeah, like, these black Americans, know? I don't know. These Jamaicans. <laughs> <laughs> if you know about Haitians and Jamaicans. I've no, heard. That's a thing. But yeah, and my mom was super, 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 super guarded to the point where it was difficult at, to form friendships. And that manifested itself in me. Like I'm super guarded, and I'm very protective of who I become vulnerable to. It's just like, I gotta test the waters. Okay, great, you're lukewarm. Let's be friends, right? Yeah. Uh, And I think that's a good skill to have. I just think my, you know, sometimes our parents can take it to the extreme, and I'm glad that I was able to check myself and say, I I need this, like, I do this, but I want to make sure I don't take it too far, because then I'm going to be alone, or I I Mm -hmm. just won't have the same success that I want to have. So it's really interesting to see that and um, it manifests itself. Also, <laughs> I I remember growing up and 
A sign of success, and I think this is common with most immigrant families, is to have things. It's not necessarily money, but it's like the okay. the ability to buy something that you never thought you could buy. Okay. And so I think this manifests itself in me. I'm not a materialistic person as much as I used to be, but, um, you know, my mom would buy like you know, a treadmill machine. I'm like, mom, you're never going to exercise. Like, why, did you, why did you buy it? Like, That's like hella random. <laughs> this is the first thing that came to mind. Or like, oh, like you buy this, um, this new grill or this, these other things. And it's just like, buy, <laughs> I don't know why she would buy useless things. And I'm not saying I buy useless things too, but I, I, I sometimes get attracted by the flashiness of something. I'm like, ooh, like, well, I have the money I saved up. Like, let me get it. Like, and I don't, I don't think as practical at, um, as I, um, as I should. And now, like for me, of course, success looks different than how I used to define it. But it's it's those small little things that because that's what you saw in the household, mm-hmm. it really triggers you, and it it takes uh, your sense of self to like step back, kind of look at yourself, and say, hey, wait. Just because your parents did it doesn't mean it's okay for you to do it. Let's mm-hmm. kind of like readjust. So I'm very thankful that I have the ability to analyze myself, slow down, and really work on this on um, some of these things that just get uh, transferred to my personality because yeah. that's what I've been exposed to. Yeah. Um, question, and I'll answer it after you do. Were question. you ever able? Okay, <laughs> okay, <Destiny. laughs> Um Were you ever able to have sleepovers? To host them or go to them? Uh, I've done both. It took a while to get there. And I okay. would say it was more difficult to go to someone's else's, someone else's place than okay. host people. I mean, my mom felt more comfortable. It's like, oh, okay, like, this is just your friend and we know our home, but I'm not sending you off to a stranger's place. Okay. I don't know. My mom, <laughs> she just had a thing about, like, why do you want to go to someone else's home and bother their parents and eat their food? Like, um... Uh, and low-key, too. I don't know why she thought this, but she. I grew up in New Hampshire, a very white, predominantly white community, and so I have to recognize that my mom's worldview is, a lot of it's reflected to New Hampshire, and she kind of thought sleepovers were a white thing. I don't mm, know why. That's not unique. It's not unique? Okay. <laughs> and she kind of thought that, and that prevented me from doing it. And then she warmed up to it because she's like, well, I don't want Paul to grow up like a loner, like let him have friends, let him see what his home is like. Um, there was no shame. I think I know, I know like for a lot of kids, like they wouldn't host sleepovers because they felt shame about where they lived. That's mm-hmm. a really big thing, like shame about where you live, perception of income and all those things. Mm-hmm. And I never had an issue with that. Um, but it was more about the culture around sleepovers. It's like, I don't get why you... You don't want to sleep in your own house. Yeah, how about you? Um, I didn't really do sleepovers. Like, I... Um, and some of it is... Like, I, and I've thought about this quite a bit. Like, because um, I am a homebody. And I'm, I'm like, I'm sure this is a byproduct of my mom being like, why do you need to sleep at somebody else's house? Like, I pay rent and all this stuff is here. Like, <laughs> be at home. We are your family. Um, but I think there's, there was, I don't think, I know that there was a level of it that was a shame because, you know, we're kind of like in the hoodish kind of part and like there was crying. I didn't see a lot of, well, I actually saw somebody get shot, but that's neither here nor there. Mm. I know right outside of our front window. Um, but I remember being like, oh, I don't even know if my parents would, or not my parents, um, like my friend's parents would like want their daughter to come over into this neighborhood and drop them off. 
I remember thinking that consciously mm. as like, you know, a preteen, a kid, like little kid, preteen of like, oh, the parents aren't going to want to come to this neighborhood, especially not like after dark. And right, mind you, I wasn't like, you know, doing, you know, somersaults, avoiding bullets or anything, but it, you know, it was, it was hood over there, you know, and there'd be a bunch of like, there was a crack house on the corner, which is so weird now. I don't know if it's still a crack house. I drive by every now and again when I'm home, but you knew what happened at this old yellow dilapidated house. Like you knew what happened there. Um, the, the guys who play basketball at the park and like, uh, an athletic, some people name it a wife beaver. I don't agree, but an athletic tee and like slippers and they're playing basketball. Um, but yeah, there was a level of shame that was with like me even wanting to invite people over into my space, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because of the neighborhood that I live in. Um, so I'm sure I will work through that in therapy or continue to work through that in therapy somehow. Yeah. But I remember my mom would be like, I don't know these white people. And it was like most of the kids in my school were white. Um, and they were, you know, I had friends. Um, I was an introvert, but had friends. And she'd be like, I don't, like, I don't know their parents. Like, I don't know these white people. Right. Like, why are you going over there? So I didn't mm-hmm. do a lot. Like, I could sleep over at my godmother's house. She lived in the same apartment complex. My god sister's house. Um, who lived at the back of the complex. But I, if, I, if I was going over there, I had to be over there before it was dark. <laughs> um, or I would have to sprint to her house and my mom would be like, open the door. And like, she'd have to flick the light outside to make sure that I got... <laughs> it was like... I was like, y'all couldn't... You couldn't call? Um, but those were, for the most part, like the people that I got to sleep over, like essentially family. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that often. I think for me, too, about the sleepover thing, and also just my social life in general and, you know, elementary and secondary ed, uh, it goes back to that trust thing. Like, my mom was grown so much. Like, this is the world we live in. Like, my mom, in order to understand institutional racism, she's like, I don't trust anyone. Like, mm-hmm. you, know, you ain't going to those white people's house. Like, mm-hmm. you ain't going to those people or hanging out with their kids or whatever. Like, there it was a huge trust factor, and some of that still manifests itself in me today. Like, you know we're black people we're gonna talk about how we move through this world all the time but mm-hmm. I have some not some but you know there are a couple people I know that are so jaded and it's just like mm, I'm not gonna even bother because that's how much negativity they've been exposed to so that yeah. becomes their truth yeah I don't want to go to that far of the <laughs> of the spectrum I want to know like yes there's hate there's racism but I'm surrounded by a diverse group of people who I know and believe in their values and that mm-hmm. they're not out to get me. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's just really interesting how that manifested, <clears throat> excuse me, how that uh, shaped my social upbringing with yeah. other people. Because, like I said, my mom, immigrant mom, I'm a first generation, and I'm t- making a ton of American slash white friends. And this is yeah. so new to my mom. Mm. Um, I would, I would agree. It's, it's fairly new to my mom. Not that I'm like, you know, I'm in my late thirties now, so I'm not like bringing home people and be like, Hey mom, meet this friend or whatever. Also, I live at a distance. Um, and not that my mom would say anything. This is like, thankfully the time where she, you know, exercises a bit of a filter, um, when she comes up to visit up to the Bay area. But yeah, I certainly see her be like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah. Um, but then my uh, low key, my mom will like try to be an introvert sometimes, and I'm like, "You were just talking shit in the car, like, and now you don't like now you're mute, like what is this?" <laughs> um, but yeah, those are I remember that very distinctly, like growing up, and mm-hmm. I think that has influenced like my love of being at home. I'm mm-hmm. like, why do we need to go anywhere? 
not like I can't go out and about and like right, you know, right. experience the world. But I'm like, I don't want to spend the night at like, you know, somewhere else. I I much prefer to be home. And if we're gone, I'm like, okay, well, when can we get home? Um, like even on vacation, I'm like, okay, this like you know, three or four nights was great. When can I want to be home in my own bed, mm-hmm. sitting on my own couch, watching my own TV? chilling and not worrying about, you know, am I going to remember like in the middle of the night how to get to the bathroom, you know, cause it's not, it's not a familiar, that's really random. But I think that every time that I'm not sleeping at home, like, oh my gosh, am I going to know where to get to the bathroom in the middle of the night as a person who goes to the restroom at almost like clockwork at 3am. So, yeah. I kind of want to close this conversation. What if with... I don't want to close it, Paul? Well, too bad. Okay, all right. I'm here to close it. That's fine. Uh, with one final reflection, might go a little deep. Oh, of course it's going to go deep. Um, just want to talk a little bit about, you know, sexuality, forming relationships with our parents, with our known sexuality, being black, and obviously that's taboo. And just where we are today in our relationship with our parents, um, despite all of that. Okay. And I can start. Okay, I, I was like, I don't mind starting. Um, I... Without, of course, getting to details, I I had a really, really rough relationship with my mom when I came out to her. A lot of it is like, I mean, just, just cue up any LGBT film or dramatic TV show that depicts someone coming out to their parents. <laughs> and that was basically my life to a T. It could have just been a novel or a TV show. Um, and... I just want to say I'm so thankful for kind of moving through those motions, going through, like, the most darkest place with um, my mom. And because of some some of the things that we both had to go through individually, and now that I can see what my mom went through, kind of, like, I'm an adult. Like, I, I have context now to the things that she would complain about a lot raising me. I don't have a kid, of course, but uh, some just, like, basic adult things and... Uh, yeah, I I think right now I'm kind of pushing that to the side and uh, some things have happened where it's like, wow, you know what, at the end of the day, and for some people this, it's still important to them, but at the end of the day, like all the stuff that we argued about in the past, I don't care. Like we're here for each other. Um, I'm at a good place where I don't really, I don't even really need you to acknowledge that I'm gay. Like, there, there are so many more important things, and I'm glad that I can actually put into context, like, what the struggle meant. Like, I understand the infrastructure that the U.S. has placed to make you feel the way you feel and why you're mad and why, you know, life is just not really all happy endings, right? Mm-hmm. And it makes me more appreciative of the sacrifices you made. And for some reason, those sacrifices mean so much more than you accepting or even tolerating my sexuality. It's not something we talk about. Um, but that that's, like, when I say that to myself, that's big. Like, that's putting so much of my own selfishness aside and putting... And I, I'm owning it, and I'm happy to do it, because when I realize what you sacrifice, that means everything. And we've been able to grow together mm-hmm. so strongly... And so I always tell people, like, you know, uh, I can't wait till, you know, I have all the money in the world and I can buy my mom a house and just not have her worry about anything because, like, she deserves that. Like, having a kid, like, 
that's that's such a big decision and obviously as a man you'll never really understand that even if you are married to someone who um birthed your kid but you still will never understand the sacrifice you have to put in as a mom Mm -hmm. and so I'm thankful to myself for realizing that and having the maturity for that and putting my own sexuality aside to see that and now like we have a great relationship and uh I'm excited to know and I think my mom's excited to know like what is it going to be like when I'm an adult adult (laughs) you know like are you a fake adult right now I I still view myself (laughs) as a fake adult like for some reason I'm like I need to wait till I'm in my 30s to see myself as an adult. adult. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) But no, like my mom has never been a parent to an adult before, right? Every, Mm -hmm. my whole life cycle right now is a first for her. Whereas other parents, if they had more than one kid, they might have the, you know, they practice with one, the second one goes into adulthood and it gets a little easier. Mm -hmm. Um, But really every year of our relationship is new. It's like we've never been here before. Mm-hmm. right I'm getting older you're getting older I'm changing you're in your ways right it's like how do you uh, parent someone who's constantly changing and growing up mm-hmm. so all right um let's see uh without getting too deep into like my coming out story which sounds so dramatic um I think uh I know that my mom and I are good like where we are in terms of my sexuality I mean do we talk about it every time I talk to her no because I talk to my mom probably every day um And, um, I do remember having a rough few months, like when I first told her, um, mind you, I called her the first time, like crying because my first girlfriend had broken up with me and da, 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 da. So uh, perhaps wasn't the greatest lead off into, you know, me talking about my identity with her. Um, but eventually like, you know, I was communicating via my sister to my mom, like, that I was doing fine and blah, 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 and kind of was, like, rebounding from whatever that initial thing was. And then I remember um, when I had moved up to the Bay. And so she had previously met, like, the women that I had dated. So it wasn't like a, she didn't know. I wasn't like, hey, this is the woman that I'm dating here. <laughs> but I'd be like, this is, like, you know, Mary. Um, and... Yeah, she's going to stay here with us. Um, like, if I'm here for in town for the weekend or whatever. Um, and then I remember her coming up for um, a Thanksgiving when I first moved up to the Bay Area. And um, I was dating my now wife. And I remember being like, oh, shit, I hope my mom remembers because now, like, she's going to stay the night. Um, so I remember, like, stressing the complete fuck out and, like, mailing my mom this, like, handwritten letter and a book that I thought that she oh. could read. You know, I was <laughs> trying to be all like academic about that shit. Um, and I was like, in case that she forgot, like, you know, and then, you know, Amazon, you can track when the fucking shit arrives, which is sometimes helpful and sometimes not. And so I was like, okay, well it arrived. And then I didn't hear anything from my mom for like a day. And I was like, oh shit. Like she's remembered and now she's not coming for Thanksgiving. Um, and so I remember like I stressed at work about it, like for an entire day. And I was like, the next day I was like, oh, I'm going to go home at lunch and talk to her. This is going to be really emotional. I had worked it up to this, be this huge mountainous thing. Like it was going to be so emotional. I wasn't going to come back to work in the afternoon because I was going to be all fucked up in the game. And then I called my mom and she was like, yeah, I got it. And then she was like, you know, I knew that already. And I was like, bitch, why did, I'm over here stressing out. You, you ain't open the package I sent you. Um, <clears throat> and then she started laughing and I was like, 
I could like exhale fully. Like I cried because, you know, I have tears and I'm, you know. Oh, you do? I do. I have oh. complete tear ducts. Me to me. We'll talk about emotions and whatnot mm-hmm. in another episode. <laughs> I'm in big feelings because I have that shit too. Um, but I remember like her just kind of affirming my, like, she's like, I love you and all of you and whoever you are with. Like, I will love them too. I know. Tear, cry, sob. Um, and she's like, I, like, you are my child. Like, how could I not? Um, and so like, I think we both had a cry on the phone in the morning and a few days later it was like Thanksgiving and I just knew that like everything was going to be fine with the, like where we were and that I had made this big thing without even having had the conversation with her. So, mm. um, and then like, we don't actually talk about it. She said gay the first time, like three years ago I was home and I think we were at Cheesecake Factory cause my nephew loves going there. And so we go when I'm home. Mm, I mean, it's a great place. Um, because uh, we'd be like, Auntie, like, let's go to Cheesecake Factory. And I'm like, you don't even have a job. Who's going to pay? And he'd be like, Auntie, you got us. Whatever. <laughs> and so, of course, we go. And then we were in the car saying something. And then she was like, something, something, you know, gay. Like, I don't, I had never heard her say the word. <laughs> and it sounds so weird when they yeah. say it. Yeah. And I, was, I just looked at her and smiled. And then, you know, we just kept going. But um now she loves uh my wife and stuff and so it's seamless and there's there's not like any weirdness but Mm -hmm. i just because i'm just i've taken such a different path in life um and who i am is so different than like my brother and my sister so i just i love that she's along for the ride and she always wants to come up and visit and she and my wife will like spend like hours watching like Fucking Gilmore Girls. And I'm like, Mom, we're black. I never, I didn't even know you watched this shit. And That's she's like, weird. I love this show. I was like, huh? Um, but things like that remind me. I'm like, ugh, like I love my mom. Like this is great. So my, like kind of coming into my sexuality in terms of my relationship with my mom has certainly been like super like pleasant and surprising and a real blessing. And that, and I'm grateful to say that without like knowing that lots of black folks don't have that experience. Mm. So, um, and to be kind of like, you know, late thirties, you know, going to be hitting 40 in a few years, which I'm super fucking excited about. Um, but yeah, to be at this age and to have my mom like fully like embrace like who I am. I mean, she ain't going to no damn pride parade. Um, <laughs> Cause that's too many. Oh my gosh. People. That would be but, Like she's like, yeah, these are my daughters. When she's talking about me and my wife, she's like, these are my daughters. And like, like, her homegirls want to hang out with us too and shit. So it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Well, shout out to moms. All right. Yay, Yay. moms. All right. It's time for a long break. Yeah. All right. We'll be back, y'all. because this is a hell of a long episode and yeah. we gotta wrap it up but we hope you enjoyed um the previous segment so uh i'm gonna pass it on to shamina first let me go first okay so mine is a boss ass bitch um so i am just gonna give a shout out to um i finally just finished the last episode of insecure i don't know why what? i was i was pushing it off because i didn't want to listen i didn't want it to be over and then i didn't want to um Excuse me, not, um, I didn't want to end the insecurity, uh, podcast either. So I let it drag on for several weeks and I know it's been over. Um, but since all of these award shows have been coming out with like 
the um, award nominees and stuff. So I just want to give a shout out to tons of Black Girl Magic, specifically with regard to Insecure for Issa Rae and Yvonne Orji. I won't say Orji, but I just did. Um, for just a level of, number one, for the nominations that they um, have received. And then number two, for just the Black Girl Magic that you see playing out between them. And like the huge amount of su support specifically that I've seen from Yvonne Orji to... Um, Issa Rae in terms of her nominations and then just such a like a loving support like you did this girl so like when you win we all win so I've just really appreciated seeing like how much on not I don't really do much on Facebook but on Instagram and Twitter just how much like it's like you girl like you did it it's like that meme of Whitney Houston and Natalie Cole when she won the award and Whitney oh, was yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, not that you ever hear the audio, but you see them like do it, and you're like, yeah. that's what she's saying. Um, but it's just a whole lot of black girl magic that I really love. And I also love the show. The ending was like, what the fuck? Um, a tinge of a plot twist, although I, I had heard what happened. I was still surprised. Like There was a level of shock when I saw it. Um, but I just love the magic that is between them and how um, supportive they are of each other and... Yeah, I just really appreciate that. So they are getting my um, last boss as bitch for the year because they have really kind of changed the game in terms of what we expect from like younger black women who are out there creating things and supporting each other and not being ashamed to do that um, out loud. So kudos to both of them. And I can't wait for season two of Insecurity. Hopefully they don't make us wait forever. Right. Um, yeah, uh, Insecure only got one nomination, and it was just Issa, um, which is great, and she got it for an acting category. Are you sure it was just one? Mm-hmm, it was um, just one. Amongst all the awards shows? Uh, only, there's only been two, uh, nominations that came out. The SAG Awards came out, but I didn't hear of, I didn't read, um, of Issa. Whatever, the, in anything. my but mind, the Black Globes, Girl, the Black Globes. Girl Magic. <laughs> I just want um, to correct the don't, facts. Don't yuck my yum. Um, oh, girl, okay. So if we go well, fact check it, I'm ready. So um, it's funny that you bring up the Golden Globes. Um, SAG Awards are, have reflected this a little bit, but the Golden Glo Globes, we've made a lot of strides. I just want to give, it a, give a shout out to all the black people in television and film this year who worked really hard to not just increase their diversity in casting, but worked really hard to communicate unique stories and I'm super 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 happy that this year's Golden Globes is very black whether it's from um, the actor standpoint or the crew standpoint or the story standpoint so we uh, Moonlight uh, tied with Moonlight tied with messy messy <laughs> what? I, messy. My, my phone is just responding to my voice messy. anyways um, Moonlight uh, got the most nominations for the Golden Globes. I think they tied with La La Land. Um, and it was, I think, nine or more nominations, which is incredible. Like, I don't think there was one white person. Oh, you about to take out your phone and fact check. I'm fact check for I don't think the there's been, um, there was any white person in that cast. And so the fact that it got that many nominations is incredible. We have Fences with Viola Davis and Denzel Washington. We have, of course, Insecure. We have, um, if you watch Westworld, uh, there is a black woman who got nominated for um, uh, Tondi Newton. Um, she's from the UK. She got nominated. We have, um, I mean, the list is so long. And I'm, um, 
so proud of just where we've come. It's really, you know, it's, it's so powerful to be able to watch television and see someone like myself on TV. And it's sad that I have to say that in 2016, but it's true. And um, I'm just really excited um, to see who wins. Now it could be that, you know, a bunch of white people win, but at least in that audience and on that list of nominees, we have a very strong representation. And all I can do is just hope that these rich white people who sit on this board to approve who get who wins makes the right decision because it, it, it's just out of a year of tragedy this is just really really good news for 2016 and are you checking did you find the answer no i'm not the invested in fact checking but, the but just know la la land and uh, i don't even know what that is but moonlight okay. <laughs> i don't know la la land hasn't even officially come out <laughs> I, don't know got what, I have no idea what you're talking about la la land like you know how they refer to I, la i can hear you i just don't know what the hell it is oh okay i don't know it's, are there black people in it no it's okay, a hella well. white movie so anyways uh that wraps up our episode uh we want to make sure that you uh stay connected to us so please remember to email us any questions at headbosspodcast at gmail.com follow us on social media we're on facebook we're on twitter we are on soundcloud we're on itunes please review us on itunes if you listen to us on itunes or leave comments on soundcloud uh and oh and we're on stitcher for anyone who uses stitcher uh and we're gonna have some new surprises for you in the new year um which we can't wait to roll out so please stay tuned especially on the interwebs um to see where else we may pop up so tell your friends if you haven't listened yet to get on board all right have a good one bye Got a 7 with a 4, 54 in the hood Got 125 on the dash